Well, just last week, we began a series in the book of Jonah. Jonah is one of the, the prophets in the Old Testament. And the story of Jonah is a story that, that many of us probably know. So last week, we did an overview of the book, looking at some of the, the big picture purposes and concerns of this little story. But this week, I'm, I'm excited to actually get into the story of this disobedient prophet and of his merciful and gracious God with you today. So would you, would you open your Bible with me if you have one to Jonah chapter 1. In the opening, opening scene of a movie, or maybe in the, the first chapter of a book, so these are some of the most important moments in, in the whole story that any book or movie might tell. In the opening moments of a movie, we can see the, the setting, we can hear the music, maybe even meet some of the most important characters in the whole story. This first scene sets the mood and gives the heading or direction for the whole story. And this is no different for many of the stories in the Bible, Old and New Testament. For instance, the Gospel of Matthew, you know, the, the first book of the New Testament, was written to skeptical Jews or, or to Jewish Christians in the first century. And so Matthew, the, the author, at, at the very beginning of the book, he, he traces the line of Jesus back through King David to Abraham. You know, the, the two most important people in the Old Testament, the two people who Israel was told would bring blessing both to them and to the whole world, David and Abraham. And so the, the purpose and the theme of Matthew is laid right there in the beginning. The purpose and the theme of a story is right there at the beginning. In, in the first scene of a movie, in the first chapter of a book, even in the first statements in a political speech. Well, the same thing happens in the book of Jonah. In just three verses, verses one through three, we, we get a little picture of what the whole story is about. And we are introduced to the main characters, to the big issues and, and to the ideas and themes that will stretch across the entire thing. Themes of, of mercy and obedience, of, of mission and of God's love and grace towards sinners. So let's dive into this first episode, this first scene of, of the book of Jonah. So turn in your Bibles with me to, to Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1. It's Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1, and here, here is what it says. Well, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for her evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of of the Lord. This is God's word. Would you pray with me one more time before looking a little bit more closely at the word for us today? Heavenly Father, your word is a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, would you teach us today by your word to walk in a manner worthy of Jesus Christ? Would you shine your light by the Holy Spirit onto the the pages of our Bible, so that we might see and know what it is you have for us to do. How it is you would have us respond to your word. Father, we, we know who it is who should receive the glory. It all belongs to you. And, and so we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 
Well, as we take a look at this first episode in Jonah, it, it helps to see that there are two parts in these three verses. We have God's call and Jonah's response. God's call in verses 1 and 2 and Jonah's response in verse 3. This is a, a helpful thing because while the book of Jonah has, has many more characters, many more events, things like uh, the sailors, the big fish, characters like the, the people and the king of Nineveh, this story of Jonah really focuses in on two, the, the, the Lord and his prophet. God's call in verse 1. Verse 1 says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Well, right there we could park for at least an entire sermon if not a whole series of sermons, but we have more to do today than just that. What, what should jump out us in these first words is that God takes the initiative to speak to his prophet, really to speak through his prophet, Jonah. It is God who makes the first move, and, and this first move is what we might call grace. God's love moves him to reveal himself to us. Because as the, the prophet Isaiah says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, that is God's ways, so are God's ways higher than our ways. There is nothing about God that, that we know as human beings outside his gift in giving it to us. God reveals himself in, in general ways, like through the night sky and the sunrise. And he also reveals himself in special ways, like when his word comes to the prophet like Jonah. So the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. I don't know about your Bible, but it, in mind, the word Lord here is in all capital letters. Some of them are smaller than others. This Lord in all capitals is how the translators of, of this particular version let us know that, that this is not just any word for Lord, you know, the, the normal word, but this is the special name of the God of Israel that he gave to his people. And this name was revealed to Moses at the burning bush when God set Moses up as the person he would use to deliver his people out of slavery in Egypt. And in this interaction at the burning bush, Moses asked who he should say is sending him. And God replied, I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. I am who I am, God says. He, he, he is who he is. And, and this this name, this is the God of, of all things that we read about in the Old Testament. This is um, the God who has no needs. He, he is who he is. He is totally um, sufficient in himself for all things. He, he made the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth are dependent on something. All creation has uh, its, its origin in God. We can trace everything back to him, right? Uh, everything that is has a cause, and so we have to trace it back to some eternal thing. Nothing exists from nothing except for this one eternal principle, and God's name is I am. I am who I am. He has always been, and he always will be. And so God is, is complete in himself. He has no needs. This is the ultimate God. He is, he is not some small idol. He is not some man-made idea. This is the God who made the heavens and the sea and the dry land. This is I am. The Hebrew word is Yahweh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This God who is far above us outside time and space, this God reveals himself through his word, and this word has come to the prophet 
Jonah. And and God's word which came to Jonah was this in verse 2. He says, get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. This word to Jonah is a commission. Jonah is being given a task or a job to do. To go and, and to call out against the city of Nineveh, which was one of the most important cities, if not the capital city at the time of the Assyrian Empire. This is his task, to go call out against this city. And the city, like, like I said, was a, an important city in the, the nation of Assyria. And if you know anything about Assyria, you know that Assyria was not a nice nation. All of the nations of this time fought against one another. They were, they were fighting for land, uh, land for their sheep, land to build cities, land for water. And we often forget that the history of the world for so long was of small, small nations taking over other nations by capturing their cities, by enslaving their people. And, and, and this is the ancient landscape in Israel. This landscape surrounding them was a, a landscape of violence and a landscape of battle. But there was maybe no military power more brutal and violent than Assyria. These Assyrians were smart. They knew that, that it was easier to win battles through intimidation than it was to win them through force. So as they began to conquer, you know, when, when their armies were just starting out, their armies were big, they hadn't lost any men. Once they won, they treated their captives so brutally that everyone around feared them. You know, the, the, the bully at school only has to beat up one kid so badly that, that before long, everyone is scared to be next to this bully at lunch. In the same way, Assyria had done shocking things to cities and to nations to get this kind of reputation as the one you did not want to mess with. You know, but, but the nation of Israel had not been messing with Assyria, but um, to, to continue that picture of the bully had been, had been paying Assyria its lunch money. You know, the, the nation of Israel had been paying money to Assyria for years to stay on their good side. But now the word of the Lord has come to Jonah and says, get up. Go and call out against this great or important city, Nineveh, a city very closely connected with the brutality and the violence of this nation, Assyria. So this is God's word to Jonah. God calls his prophet. The second half, what does the prophet do? Let's start by asking what God's prophets normally do. Because you know, there were other prophets in the Old Testament. And one of the other prophets who actually had a ministry around the same time as Jonah was the prophet Amos, who said, the Lord God has spoken to his prophet. Who else, uh, who, who can but prophesy? Excuse me. The, the Lord God has spoken to his prophet. Who can but prophesy? When God speaks, his prophets speak. You can, you can read through your whole Old Testament if you would like, but I can save you the time. There is one example of a prophet who does not follow the call of God to speak, and that prophet is Jonah. Verse 3 begins, But Jonah rose to flee. God said, Get up. And then Jonah got up. God said, Go, and Jonah went. But Jonah goes in the exact opposite direction. Of Nineveh. Nineveh was in the east. Jonah flees to the west. And Jonah doesn't just flee from the command of God. No, he, 
he flees from God himself. And this might, might seem to us, Jonah's response might seem to us like the overreaction of the century. We might even be confused about why Jonah ran away in the first place. God said he wants Jonah to call out against Nineveh. He said in verse 2 that he's sending Jonah to call out against Nineveh specifically because their evil had come up before him. This is like the, the, the stench of Nineveh's evil was so bad that it has drifted up into the heavenly throne room and God has um, decided that now is the time to do something about it. So why does Jonah run away? Wouldn't this be exactly what a prophet of Israel would want? To call out against this wicked city? No, but Jonah does run away because Jonah knows, like we said earlier, that any word from God is, is in itself an act of mercy and of grace. And if God is sending his prophet to call out against Nineveh, that means that God is standing ready to offer mercy to this evil city. You know, we could look just in a few chapters later in, in the beginning of chapter 3, and what does Jonah actually say when he gets to Nineveh? When we actually get to hear part of what God tells him to say, he says, basically, Nineveh, you have 40 days to get your act together. That is what Jonah hates. Jonah doesn't mind preaching judgment. He would love to preach judgment against Nineveh. He minds preaching that there is a time between God's declaration of Nineveh's evil and the day of God's judgment. Jonah has no room for this in-between period of time. And we'll see that again and again as we go through the book of Jonah. But Jonah doesn't just run away from the task God has given him. He runs away also from God himself. You know, he, he doesn't just uh, flee to the west when God says east, but notice with me that, that Nineveh's evil comes up before God because God is enthroned in heavens, but Jonah goes down. Jonah goes down throughout this whole story. Verse 3 says that Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And after this, we have a, a rapid fire list of what Jonah does. Jonah, who's running like a fugitive from the God of mercy and love. Jonah goes down to the port of Joppa. Jonah finds a ship. He pays the ticket and he goes down into the ship, all to run away from God himself. In Jonah's mind, if God wants to do this, he will have to get someone else. This short section of the story as I've been studying it, has become one of the, the scariest places in all of Scripture to me. And maybe that's an exaggeration, but I'm not too sure. Don't you see the danger that as, as Jonah runs from what God has asked of him, he's not just running from a task, he's running from God himself. And Jonah's situation only goes from bad to worse. You know, on the, on the road to Joppa, he, he could have turned around. While walking around the docks looking for a ship, he, he, could have, he could have come to his senses and run away. Even after he's paid the ticket, Jonah could have ran off the ship back towards the command, back towards the presence of God. But with each step Jonah takes away from God, he adds another obstacle to his repentance. He adds another step back in the direction of God. And as scary as this is, as, as deep as Jonah takes us into the darkness of the sinful human heart that we all have, the brighter and more beautiful the grace and the mercy of God becomes. 
So as, as scary as this might be, we can see the grace more clearly. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I know the end of this story, and it's a short one, so you could skip to the end yourself. But, but Jonah, who is constantly fleeing from God, constantly disobedient to the call of God, this is the one who God continually pursues with love and with faithfulness. God pursues him through his disobedience and brings him face to face with his own unforgiveness. Jonah was unwilling to, to forgive the nation of Assyria. Jonah was unwilling even to give them the opportunity to repent. But God, God pursues them so that they might repent. And that's a very different way of looking at forgiveness than we're used to. You know, we've, we've seen this already in verse 2, but we see it throughout this story that this is how God deals with his disobedient prophet. This is how God deals with us. He is a God of mercy and of grace. He is a God of justice. He's, he is sending a word to Nineveh. He is a God of mercy and grace. He offers time between the proclamation of evil and the day of judgment. Well, as, we, as we reflect on, on Jonah's going down, getting caught in the web of sin, tangled like a fly in, in a spider's web, we, we would do well as Christians to remember how sin works. You know, in the, in the New Testament book of James, he, he tells us that sin doesn't come from God, but it comes from within us. It springs up like weeds in, in the garden of our desires, our wants. And these desires grow and grow until they have destroyed us. Like Jonah, one bad decision leads to another. And this is especially true in relationships. Excuse me. And this is especially true in relationships. Secrets between a husband and a wife lead to more secrets. A small personal sin that doesn't seem to harm anyone eventually grows into this vicious animal that, that threatens to devour your love of God and of others and, and to hurt everyone around you. Sin is so dangerous that we are told throughout Scripture to put it to death. Not to, not to shove it to the side or, or try and keep it down, but to put it to death, to, to seek it out, to dig it up, to purge it like a disease from our lives. And it is the, the small sins that, that we think we control that are often the most dangerous. You know, if we, if we look at Jonah, you know, just as an example. For Jonah, it, it was holding on to this idea that the people of Nineveh deserved to pay for what they had done. For the, the evil that they'd done to the people in, in their brutality and violence against innocent people. For us, it could start as a, as a small bit of, of disregard or contempt for the person in, in the warehouse who might be wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. You know, and this, this bit of contempt could be as small as, as an eye roll or a passing thought of self-righteousness. Maybe it, it begins with, with little things that, that we don't really think matter all that much. Things that are so small that we actually just attribute them to our personality. You know, I'm just... I'm just a blunt person. That's, that's who I am. I like things maybe a, a certain way. Or I care about justice. I'm just passionate about justice or truth or freedom or love. But friends, sometimes we, we let these things, which might be true or good, color 
the, the lenses that we use when, when we look into all of life. And sometimes the, the color that tints our lenses is so slight that we don't notice. And in, in, in the meantime, the more we look through these lenses, the tint gets darker and darker, but the change happens so slowly that we don't notice it. Jonah wasn't wrong. Remember, the, the people of Nineveh deserved justice. But his refusal to let the word of God clear the tint from the lenses he was using only led to these lenses becoming darker and darker until he was blinded by this truth. This truth of justice that eventually blinded him to mercy. And this is why we need to continually come back to the word of God and to let his truth challenge how we live. To, to cleanse the, the tint from our lenses so that we can see clearly. You know, we need to be reminded that if we have heard the word of God in the first place, it is only because God is merciful in bringing it to us. Jonah couldn't see this. He had lived so long thinking that because he knew the name of Yahweh, this great I am, he was in a better place than the violent nation of Assyria and the city of Nineveh. He had worn these tinted glasses for so long that he couldn't see the, fact that the, the very fact that he knew God's name was an act of complete grace on the part of God. Well, so what? So what? We've, we've, we've gone through three verses of this old story, and Jonah is, is clearly not a great guy. So what? So why does, why does this matter today? Well, if, if you are a Christian today, the, the so what is, is a bit of a challenge. You know, we, we've talked about the, the difficulty in, in, in walking from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Because we, we, we don't only want to take um, moral lessons from the Old Testament, like as if they were Aesop's fables or, or some other sort of um, you know, fairy tale that, that's supposed to give us a good message. Because this is still the word of God and, and, and the seeds that God planted in the Old Testament, they, they grow into beautiful trees or, or gardens in the new. And so there's something very real for us here as Christians beyond just moral lessons. But we can take moral lessons from the Old Testament. And so that's why we looked at, at sin. You know, we, we, we took a minute to talk about the danger of sin, but the real application to us hits, hits much closer to home. You know, because the the, the same God who sent his disobedient prophet to this wicked city to warn them of their sin and the very real judgment that was about to come, that it, that it deserves, this same God has sent his own son, Jesus Christ, for you. And in Jesus Christ, you have been born again, and not only born again, but brought into the family of God. And so if, if you have faith in Jesus as a, as a member of God's family and as as people to whom this message of of eternal life has come we have now a responsibility like Jonah to get up to go and and to call out against this world not not in judgment now but that judgment is coming that now is the time of mercy like Jonah we have been given a message but our message is so much better than Jonah's message our word is not just for Nineveh but for all people our, our word is not just that mercy might come, but that love and mercy have already come in Jesus Christ. Our message is not that judgment might be avoided, but that our judgment has come upon Jesus Christ on the cross so that whoever accepts this work of Jesus and trusts in none of their own, 
might escape the judgment that he bore for us. And unlike Nineveh, this salvation does not rest on how completely or on how well we repent, but on how completely Jesus took our sin. And praise the Lord, Jesus took every drop. But if you do not know Jesus, then then the so what of this message is, is, is not to spread this word, but to receive it. You know, if you, if you do not know Jesus, then, then the so what of this Old Testament book called Jonah is, is to see that this same God of love and mercy, who would warn even a city like Nineveh, has now sent his own son for you, as a word to you. You know, the, the Bible says that, that God spoke at, at many times and in many different ways in the Old Testament through the prophets. But now God has spoken through his son. This is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the final word of God. You know, I would would encourage you, if if you do not know Jesus yet, find someone who knows what it will cost you to become a Christian. But don't delay. Don't wait till tomorrow because all you have is today. You aren't guaranteed tomorrow. Jonah's message to Nineveh was, you've got 40 days, but we don't have a you have 40 days before Nineveh is destroyed kind of message. We might not have tomorrow. You know, I I guarantee that if you were dying, you would not put off until tomorrow what could save your life today. God was patient with Nineveh. He gave them those 40 days of time to repent, and, and they did, and he had mercy on them. You know, in this this same uh, this same love and mercy that 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 made this forty day window for them, this is the same love and mercy that keeps pushing back the day of judgment for us. But it would be wrong for us to presume that God will continue to push back that day forever. Make no mistake, that day will come, and on that day, you will have to stand before God in in one of two ways. There are only two options. Here, you can stand before him with your own works, good and bad. You know, that, that might sound like a pretty good idea if you're, a, you know, a pretty moral and loving person. But, but these works on our own, even though they might not be as bad as the city of Nineveh, they, they make you as guilty of judgment as Nineveh was. So this is option A. Option, or option B, by putting your trust in what Jesus Christ has done for you, you can stand before God on that day. And God will not not look at you, but at at the work of Jesus Christ. And and, and he will apply this work to you when when he looks at you. He he will see Christ and not your works. The choice is yours. Make no mistake, the day will come. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. Tomorrow. Will you stand before God clothed in, in your own works, that your very best efforts that still leave something wanting? Or will you trust in what Jesus Christ has done on this cross and stand before God clothed in, in his righteousness, his good standing before God? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, offering mercy to the city of Nineveh. The word of the Lord has come also to you today. How will you answer? Would you pray with me?
Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the, the grace that we see in, in receiving your word. Lord, we thank you that, that even now you extend mercy to us as, as we hear these words, that the day of judgment has not yet come because the day of mercy is still today. Lord, I pray that you would protect us from presuming on tomorrow and that we would not leave till tomorrow anything that must be done today. Lord, especially not coming to recognize the the need we have for you, our inability to meet this need, but the fact that you have sent your son to fill this need for us, to, to die in our place and to bring us into your family. Would you press this into our hearts? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.